Father God, thank you so much for just bringing us here together. Thank you that it is done. It is, for, it is finished and I am forgiven. Lord, I pray we hear that over and over and over today. Lord, let whatever is of man, of me today, no one remembers. But what is of you, uh, let it be echoed on to for eternity. We love you. And all God's people said, amen. You guys may take a seat. Um, hi, my name's Alex Holroyd, and I have four beautiful girls, as you guys have, have seen. We, we left Beaufort with one girl, and we came back with four. Um, we were only gone three years. If you're wondering the math, that's twins. Uh, that's how that happens. It's amazing. Columbia's got some fun water in their uh, system. It is so great to be with you guys. I think one thing for me as a dad, one of my jobs, is to kind of introduce my, my girls to some of the great movies and literature of our time. And so uh, thank you for Disney Plus, am I right? And so uh, a couple of years ago, Addie Mae, she was three, and I was like, it's time to introduce her to The Lion King. Oh, what a, what a movie. Love The Lion King, right? And so I'm watching The Lion King with her. And if you guys have realized this, when, if you watched a movie when you were a kid and you got older, you're like, oh, there's some things that are different. Or if you, wa- like, you watch and you're like, I can't believe they put that in a kid's movie, right? That's a little weird. Um, and then there's other things that hit you as an adult and you're like, I didn't see that coming. And then The Lion King, a couple years ago, I'm watching it. And if, you know, newsflash, spoiler alert. Um, so what happens in The Lion King is you have Simba, and he, he leaves the Pride Lands because his father has died, and he believes he's the cause of that. And so in shame, he runs away, and he's living, and he's eating bugs with, you know, Pumbaa and Timon, and living a Kuda Matata life, and he just slowly forgets who he is, namely an apex predator, a lion a king. He, he's eating bugs. And, and then he gets older, right? And he becomes a full-grown liar. He's not like a little cub anymore. He's like this big lion. Um, and it's this point in the movie, he's walking by and he sees this spiritual guy named Rafiki. He's a monkey. And uh, he goes to Rafiki and Rafiki's like, you are Mufasa's boy. And he goes, I was Mufasa's boy. My, my dad died. And he goes, he's not died. He's alive! And he's like, what? No, monkey goes, follow me! You know, and they, like, they run through this jungle, and, uh, and there's some fun music happening. And then he gets to this pond, and Rafiki goes, look, look. And he, you know, Simba looks at the pond, and he goes, it's, it's me. <laughs> it's a reflection of me. And he goes, mm-mm-mm, look harder, you know. And, uh, and he looks harder, and the best thing happens. The clouds open, and James Earl Jones' voice just booms and goes, Simba! <laughs> and he says, you have forgotten me. And Simba goes, no, Dad, I haven't forgotten you. He goes, you have forgotten who you are, and therefore you have forgotten me. Remember. Remember who you are. I am just bawling like a little baby. I'm like, oh, what? Adam is like, what's wrong with my dad? And I'm like, stop it. You don't understand yet. You'll get it in years later. Uh, but the reality is, all the time I forget my identity. I forget that I'm a son of a king, and I start living a life that that was not the way I was created. Oh, and Psalm 103 is this beautiful, beautiful psalm where it invites us to remember who we are, and more importantly, remember who God is. And so if you're coming in here today, my hope and my prayer for my, my brothers and sisters of Christ is simple. I hope to remind you of some things that maybe we once forgot. It's nothing new to you. It just needs to be reminded. A wise man, Samuel Johnson, said, we need to be instructed more often than we need to be taught. So I hope just to remind you. 
And for people who are coming and going, I'm not a believer, I just kind of stumbled my way in here, boy, do I have some good news for you. I mean, it'll rock your socks off. It is awesome. I want to tell you what our Father's like, and His compassion is far greater than you realize. And so we're going to dive into Psalm 103. You ready? Get pumped. I'm excited. Okay, here we go. I promise I haven't drinking that much caffeine. This is just my nature. So, you know, sorry. So Psalm 103, verse 1 and 2. Bless the Lord, O my soul, all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. Here's what's so intriguing about this psalm. He's not addressing God. It's not a psalm going, oh, it's a prayer to God. It's not a psalm, even a prayer for like the congregation. It's not really a prayer to other people. Who's he addressing? Himself. It's a prayer to himself. He goes, soul, you have forgotten some things. Please, you need to remember. And it's not like, it's, you have forgotten the benefits of who God is. Let me tell you them. Oh, and then he'll just go and outline exactly the benefits. And so here's where we're going. If you're a person, you're type A, you need that, you need that outline. Here's where we're going, all right? Three things we're going to learn from David. Uh, number one, to remember the gospel. He's going to clearly articulate, hey, soul, you have forgotten it. Remember the gospel. And the second point is going to be to preach the gospel. You need to remember to preach the gospel. And then the third one, you need to remember to be the gospel. You need to be the good news. Mm. And so here's the thing. I'm going to spend a lot of time in point one. So if you're like, it's almost over. We're still in point one. Don't worry. Don't freak out. Just join this with me, all right? And so we're going to start with remember the gospel. And this psalm is so perfect. If you're someone who struggles with anxiety, stress, depression, feeling like shame and guilt, when loss all of a sudden comes upon you, this is a psalm I want you to land on. If you're someone who feels really prideful and you're like, I got my life together, read this psalm. You go, maybe I don't have my life together. All right, maybe I need a savior. It is the perfect psalm for everyday occasion. Um, so here we go. After the first, uh, I'll go back to verse two. Bless the Lord, O my soul, forget not all his benefits. And here he goes and names them. Who one, forgives all your iniquity. Two, he heals your diseases. Three, he redeems your life from the pit. Four, he crowns you with steadfast love. And five, he satisfies you with good. I mean, just clearly right there he goes, hey, soul, I need to remind you of this. He forgives. Oh, you need to know that. Because if you're like me, here's what I believed. Um, Jesus forgave all of my sins up until the point of salvation. And then I got to pull up my bootstraps and it's all about how good I can be. Anybody else? Anyone else thought that was it? I lasted all of 30 minutes, right? I was in high school. I was like, I'll never do that again. No, no soul, right? Like uh, I immediately failed horribly at this. And we have believed this lie that he only forgives everything up until salvation. You know, here's a funny thing. I I tell this to my high school friends. How many of your sins were in the future when Jesus died? All of them. So why do I think he only dies for my past sin? Like, no, he dies for all of my sins, Oh, and yet I hang on to some things like they're not forgiven. I, I act like he can't possibly forgive that sin. Oh, he wouldn't do that. Um, if, you're, uh, if you're watching TNT tonight, today, you're probably going to watch Saving Private Ryan. Um, it's just always going to be on nonstop. And it's great. Great movie. I encourage you to watch it. Um, spoiler, he saves Private Ryan. And, um, and at the end, what happens is Tom Hanks says, earn this. And he tells Private Ryan, who they lost like half their company for, earn this life. 
I thought that's what Jesus did on the cross for me. Alex earned this. He didn't say do more, right? He says done. I don't have to earn anything. I didn't earn it to get here. I don't have to earn it later. You don't have to earn it. You're forgiven. Oh, why do we hang on to this like brokenness? This un- we have this thing that we think we're not forgiven for. Um, Brennan Manning in his book Ragamuffin Gospel has this beautiful picture. He tells about this woman um, who can, has these visions of Jesus. Okay, that sounds weird. Totally understand. He's like, oh, there's this woman. She has visions of Jesus. And so this archbishop was like, that sounds crazy. Let me investigate. And she goes, and the archbishop goes and talks to this lady. And, and she goes, no, I, I have visions of Jesus. He talks to me. He goes, okay. Um, next time you talk to him, I want you to ask him um, what sins I confessed this week. And she's like, Ooh, you sure? <laughs> you sure about that? And she goes, yes. I was like, you want me to ask Jesus what sins you confessed this week? She's like, yes. I go, all right. So a week goes by, and the lady calls uh, the archbishop and says, hey, uh, I heard back. And he goes, what? And so he gets in his car, and he drives down, and he meets with her. And uh, he says, you, you heard back. You asked Jesus what sins I confessed. And she's like, yep, I asked him. Did he answer you? Yeah, he answered me. What did he say? And she grabbed a hold of his hands, and he said, Jesus told me to tell you, I can't remember. Why are you holding on to something that's far been forgiven? You're like, man, is that scripture? Yes, it's scripture. Jeremiah 31, 34. For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Believers, brothers and sisters of Christ, stop it. Stop holding on to something that's just been forgiven for. If you're not a believer in Christ, come to the fountain Oh my gosh, the shame and guilt can just be wiped away in the blood of Jesus. Like, come, please. Martin Lloyd-Jones in his his sermon, The One Sin, says, you know what the biggest sin in your life is right now? It's not what you just did, this this thing that you hold against yourself. It's not believing him at his word. Because in 1 John 1, 9, it says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive, cleansing us from all unrighteousness. Your greatest sin is soul as I forget that's true. Forgiveness, when you ask for it, is instant. It's not saving Private Ryan. It's not like, ooh, i got to do better now. Stop it. You're forgiven. Oh, and he loves you like crazy. Oh, that's point one, right? He, he forgives you. And, and number two, he goes, he heals you. Now, here's the thing with healing. Some of it's instant. Happens instantaneously. Some of it might not come in this lifetime. The things that are instant, he says in, in, in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, You're a new creation. The old has gone, the new has come. Do you know that's true about you? Soul, I need to remember, I'm a a new creation. I know I had this junk, but that's the old me. I'm a new creation. Oh, when St. Augustine came to know the Lord, he, um, he, uh, I don't know, he loved ladies beforehand, and then he came to know Jesus, and he's like, this isn't okay, I I can't can't do this anymore. And and so, um, one of his old friends, who was a female, came to him and said, Augustine, or I shouldn't call him St. Augustine because he probably wasn't that saint yet. But he goes, Augustine, it is I. It is I. Augustine, look, it is I. And he's kind of ignoring. And he goes, it is I. And he goes, I know it is you, but it is not I. You're a new creation. Live in that. When Lazarus was healed, you know, Lazarus, he's been in the tomb for three days, right? Jesus comes. He weeps at the tomb. He says, Lazarus, come out, my friend. And he comes out smelling like death and everything, but he's alive, you know. And you know what he tells him next? Take off the grave clothes. You're not dead anymore. How many of us are just living? We're, we're new creations. We're just living like we're dead. 
Like, oh, my God. Like, no, stop it. You've been forgiven. You've been healed. He's given you a new heart. Ezekiel 36, he's, he's taking your heart of flesh. He goes, I'm giving you a new one. That happens instantly when you follow him. And he doesn't take it away. But there are healings that don't come instantly. And for that, um, I do want to say, I know there's people in this room that you go, I have prayed for you to take this away, and you haven't. And I want to say I'm sorry. That wasn't the way it was meant to be. Um, John Newton was writing this letter to a friend whose his sister was dying. And he goes, God can and will save your, do- uh, your sister. But I want you to know this. Anything that comes our way is needed. Nothing he withholds can be needed. He goes back and he's just saying, hey, I need you to know everything that comes, he, our God doesn't drive an ambulance. He's not going, I did not see this coming. He goes, no, no, I'm with you in the midst of this. Um, and more importantly, Paul asked three times, Lord, take this thorn, take this thing away from me. And, and, uh, and God didn't. And he says, oh, but my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in your weakness. Suffering, unlike, forget, unlike sin, sin takes you away from God. Suffering can sometimes lead you even closer to God. And so there's times he might allow it. But here's the promise. Revelation 21. One day there'll be no more tears. One day there'll be no more sin. One day no more death. I mean, come on. Like, that's what we have coming towards us. And we're one day closer now. It's coming. That will not be a thing anymore. He heals you. Okay. And then he says he redeems you. He buys you back. He purchases us. It's this idea that we, were, we, were, we had this debt of sin on us. He goes, no, 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 I've redeemed it. I've bought you back. You don't have to be worried about hell. You don't have to be worried about death anymore. I didn't grow up going to church. I had no idea what Jesus was or anything. The Simpsons taught me everything I knew about God. And uh, I remember watching a TV in my room. Um, maybe don't let your kids have a TV in your room. And, um, and I remember uh, this televangelist just started talking about there's a ring of fire, a lake of fire coming. I was like, uh-oh. And I just like, paused it, right? You want to hear about lake of fire? And he goes, and you're heading there. I was like, that's not good. And I was like, how do I? And then he's like, unless your name's in the book. And I was like, how do I get my name in the book? And, and, and he never told me. <laughs> I just ran downstairs to my mom crying, going like, I'm, mom, I'm, we're all going to this lake of fire. And she goes, no, honey, we baptize you when you're a kid. And I was like, that's how it works. It's like a, it's like a shot you get when you're a baby. Um, I didn't, we didn't know much growing up. Um, and I realized this, um, Jesus is saying, here's the good news about him. He redeems you from the pit. There's no fear in death. Oh, death is just the beginning of a new chapter. C.S. Lewis says it this way in Chronicles of Narnia, the very last story, uh, in the last battle. Um, and he says, um, death, all of your life up until this point has been a cover story, um, or been all uh, an introduction to the greatest book ever written. And the next chapter, and the next chapter after that, um, is greater and greater than the previous one for all of eternity. We have that to look forward to. He redeems us. Oh, man. But then he redeems us. And he's like, he doesn't stop. He's like, man, you're forgiven. You're healed. You're redeemed. I crown you. You know, he goes, hey, I, I am making you new. I, I, I'm crowning you. He says this in um, uh, Romans 8, 15 through 17. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. If heirs of God, then fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him and that we may also be glorified with him. 
do you know you're the son and daughter of a king? Like, the king of kings. Like, you're his son. You're his daughter. That's the most truest thing about yourself. And you're like, oh, no, like, but I've done bad things. The king of kings says you're forgiven. Who's going to put any charge against you? Nobody. You think, like, someone's going to come up like, hey, you're not good. I mean, when that happens your way, uh, Charlie Grace. Oh, I love Charlie Grace. Oh, I love all my kids. Charlie Grace, uh, we gave her this hymn, Before the Throne of God. It's a beautiful hymn. And I love it because there's this stanza that whenever Satan accuses me and goes, oh, Alex, you are not good. You're horrible. All right. The, the stanza says this. Up, um, when Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there, the one who takes away my sin. I mean, it's beautiful. Like Satan's like, you're awful. And you go, I know. He paid for it. So like deal with him. Like I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. Deal with him. Yeah. Right? That's exactly what he's telling you to do. You have been crowned. You are son and daughter of a king. Don't forget that. Don't be like Simba living, in the, living and eating bugs. All right? You have a new creation. You're crowned. And then he goes and says, not only are you crowned, he satisfies Oh, he said, Ecclesiastes 3.11 says, he has put eternity in our hearts, which means this. Um, we have this God-sized hole, this infinite desire that we try to meet with finite things. What I mean is, if you ever had this in your heart that goes, oh, Lord, if I just got that job, mm, everything would be better. It won't. It's a finite thing trying to fill the grand, it's like trying to fill the Grand Canyon with pebbles. It's not going to fix it. Oh, man, if I just get to this retirement, then things are going to be great. It won't. We have substituted the creator for creation. And God's going, look at me. I will satisfy. Jeremiah 2.13, he says, here's the two sins you've done. You, you've, you've forsaken me, the spring of living water. And then you dug your own well that's broken and, hurt, and like has, has dirty water in it. I mean, it's like, it's like when my dog's drinking out of the toilet. I'm like, buddy, Brita, Brita water, here. That, you got four girls in the house. I don't know what's in that. Like, Stop. Here, right? God's going, what are you doing? I am going to satisfy. And here's what you know. It's John 10, 10 says, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And Jesus says, but I have come to give you life. Oh, and life to the full, like the abundant life. Jesus is like, that's what I want to give you. And we're like, nah, I'm pretty sure I know how to live my life, Jesus. What? If my car broke down, what makes sense? To go to a mechanic or the one who built the car? I'm going to the one who built the car every time. He knows the way it should be worked. In Proverbs, it says, there's a way that seems right to a man, and in the end, it leads to death. Who am I to think that I have something better? The lie from Satan is that God's withholding from you. Oh, he doesn't satisfy. Oh, he just wants to enslave you. Oh, you know what, Eve? Adam, you really know what's up. You know how to live your life. Don't, just don't worry about the whole God thing. God is here to satisfy. He's not a killjoy. His commands, and here's the thing, you read Psalm, read Psalm 119, and you see David, he talks about the Old Testament, he talks about God's word, his commands, his precepts. He's like salivating. He's like, oh, it's so good. Oh, Leviticus, like, I love you so much. Oh my gosh, your commands are so good. He says they're like honey. He says, you ever like just eat honey packets? I do this all the time at coffee shops. I just open honey packets, and there's love, I love sugar. You can tell. Um, and uh, and, I, and he's, just, he's just, the God's word is like that. Do we cherish God's word like that? Confession, I don't. I want to know God's word like David does. And he just had the Old Testament. Man, there's so many good stuff in the New Testament, right? He satisfies. 
oh, he is good. He wants to give you life and life to the full. It does require following him. It does require his commands and his promises. Oh, but I'll give you life to the full. Not just in heaven, now. Will it be hard? Yes, he's not saying it's easy. It'll be full. Oh, man, he's like, he's not done with the gospel. He's, he, he names these five things, and it's great. Um, and then we'll pick it up in Psalm 103, verse 6. He goes on to say, The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses. He acts, um, his acts to the people of Israel. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. He will not always chide, nor will he keep his anger forever, nor does he deal with us according to our sins or repay us according to our iniquities. Amen right there. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, great is his steadfast love towards us, those who fear him. Um, as the, far as the east is from the west, as far as he removes his transgressions from you. Oh my gosh, there's so much goodness in this right now. He keeps going and says, hey, I just told you the five kind of big things of the gospel we need to remember. He forgives, he redeems, he crowns, he satisfies, he heals. And he goes, hey, and he puts this little like, like sneak thing in here where he quotes Exodus 34, verse 6. So Exodus 34, verse 6 says this, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. He's just quoting Moses. He goes, oh, Moses, when you said that, that was so good. Um, but here's what's interesting. Here's the very next verse. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Whoa. <laughs> Right? You're like, oh, Moses, way to go. Like, and you're like, oh, that's the Old Testament I know. God's about to smite me. Right? Um, and then here's the interesting thing is uh, you read what David says. David says, verse 10, he does not deal with us according to our sins or repay us according to our iniquities. Which one is it, David? Is it you punish me or like you don't punish me? Is Moses right? Is David right? Oh. It's the gospel. Let's go to Isaiah. Isaiah has an answer to this. Isaiah 53, 4 through 6. But he, talking about who? Jesus. Always the best answer in church. Jesus. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. You see it? At the cross, sin is punished. And at the cross, we are forgiven. What David was talking about was this foreshadow of something that was about to happen, that Jesus was about to come and quench Mount, Sinai's, Mount Sinai's flame. You're forgiven. Why? Because Jesus took the punishment. Oh, you don't have to punish yourselves anymore. It's, already, it's not double jeopardy. How many of us are like, I, I just, I, God's going to get me because I did blank. Like the movie The Patriot, have you ever watched it? That's probably on too right now on TNT. All right, the movie The Patriot's on. Um, I won't ruin that one. But he's constantly like, God's going to get me for my sins. He's going to punish me for my sins. That's what he says the whole time in the movie. Newsflash, God already did punish someone for his sins. His name is Jesus. It's not you. You've been forgiven. Now you have to ask for that. If you're here and you're going, I don't believe in Jesus, punishment's heading that way. And I'm going, oh, come to him. Come to Jesus. Oh, and there's forgiveness. There's goodness. He goes and says, my love for you is as high as the heavens um, is from the earth. Here's the thing when it comes to love. Um, unless you know what love costs, you don't really know how much someone loves you. Like if someone's like, hey, Alex, I got, you got a speeding ticket, but I paid you for it. Don't worry about it. Well, unless I know that ticket is $10 or $10,000, I don't know whether to say thanks or to bow down and worship him. 
when you realize what it costs God to love you, oh, he becomes the most lovable thing to you. Remember this, it's not the fear of hell that saves you, Romans 2, 4. It's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. Oh, it's the kindness of the Lord that leads to repentance. You know what it costs Jesus to love you, or God to love you? The most priceless gift he had, his son. Okay, if you're in sales, um, what determines the value of something is what someone's willing to pay. Simple as that, right? That's how you determine the value of something. I was with some of my high school friends. We were at a Young Life camp, uh, and we just had the cross talk, and we were trying to process what that meant. And so I had this tennis ball. It was like a moment of genius. And I was like, all right, uh, Johnny. I'm going to make up some names for you, okay? So Johnny, uh, what would you pay for this tennis ball? And he's like, a dollar. Okay, Ryan, what would you pay for this tennis ball? Uh, $2. Okay, um, Josh, tell me, what would you pay? And he's like, <laughs> okay, this was Matthew. Matthew was like, I'd pay $5. He was a smart aleck. I loved him. And he's like, I'd pay $5. I was like, okay, cool. I'll pay $1,000. What's the value of the tennis ball? And they go, it's $1,000. You're right. Why? Because you're silly enough to pay for it. I was like, yeah, you're right. You're right. Okay, what does it mean that God gave you the most priceless gift for you? It got quiet. And Matthew to my right goes, it means I'm priceless. Yeah, it does. Oh, do you, soul, have you forgotten that you're priceless? The God of the universe paid for your sins. You're forgiven. Brothers and sisters, you're forgiven. I mean, here's what the cross does for this. It humbles us out of our pride. If you're coming in here and you're like, man, yeah, God needs to forgive people. No, I'm talking to you. Like, if you think you're good, God says, your most righteous deeds are filthy rags to me. Like the idea, like, oh, I'm going to earn my, I'm going to show God how awesome I am. He's like, stop it. You can't possibly do that. It humbles you out of your pride. You can't look at anybody and go, I'm better than you. Newsflash, the God of the universe had to come and die for you. So you're not that good. Right? When the boss man comes in to fix your mistake, you've done something wrong. That's just like common sense. Right? So if you're like, I'm pretty good. No, you're not. That means you should never look at anybody and go, I'm better than so-and-so. No, God had to die for you. You're not. But you'll never stay there because then on the other side, you have God that his, his, on the cross, what happens is he loves you out of your despair. If you're like, I'm the worst, I'm the worst, he goes, no, oh, I paid for it. Oh, I love you. John Newton, he was getting really old and couldn't remember anything. And, uh, and someone asked him, why do you still preach? And he goes, because there's two things I'll never forget, that I am a great sinner and I have a greater Savior. Oh, to put both of those things in, 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 in step, you can love people where they're at without judging. Because you go, I'm the worst. You can say, as Paul said, this is crazy. Paul said this as he's writing a, a book in the Bible. Okay, Paul says in 1 Timothy 1.15, Christ Jesus came to save sinners of who I am the worst. Not like who I was the worst. It's not like, oh yeah, back in the day I used to be horrible, but then I got saved by Jesus. No, he says, currently writing in the Bible, I am the worst sinner. Oh my goodness, there's no judgment in that. Come to him, come to the one who loves you like crazy. Okay, that was all point one. This is where we'll go quick. Remember the gospel. The second thing is this, you need to preach the gospel not to others yet. Who's this, who's this addressed to? Himself. Preach the gospel to you because you're forgetful. I'm forgetful. I remember all the bad things. Oh, I remember what my dad said to me when I was 10, right? That's weird. But I don't remember the good because you got to put it back in your memory and go, oh, this is who God is. 
soul remember. Remember who he is. Here's how I preach the gospel to myself, right? If you stick your hand out, there's five fingers, right? Some of us. And so, um, and that, yeah. So anyway, here's how I, in my mind I'm saying to myself, Alex, you're forgiven. You're forgiven. He's paid your sins. Oh, soul. Alex, you've been healed. You've been a new creation. Oh, the hardships you're going through. Hey, can I tell you, one day it will all end. It won't be like this forever. Oh, you've been redeemed. You don't need to fear death. You've been redeemed. Oh, you've been crowned. You are a son of the king. Stop putting worth into what this person says to you. The son, the king of kings says you're forgiven. Listen to him. Oh, and he satisfies. Listen to his commandments. He satisfies. Believers, brothers, sisters in Christ, I I need you to remember that. That's who he is. And that's who you are. And if you're, if you're coming in here like, hey, I don't believe in Jesus at all, man, here's the best invitation for you. Some of you are going, no, I've messed up too much. I'm a bad person. I haven't done really good things. Like, I can't possibly be loved um, by Jesus. Um, Addie Mae, my oldest, when we just moved back here, I was taking her to school for the first day. I said, how are you feeling? Are you excited? And she says the thing that as a parent haunts you. Um, I'm nervous, Dad. Why? What if they don't like me? How many of us are going, I don't want to come to Jesus because what if he rejects me? I mean, I've, I haven't been good. It says in, uh, in John 6, 37, hear these words. All those the Father give me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. If you're like, he can't possibly love me, Jesus is going, I'll never drive you away. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Come, I will never drive you away. The invitation is for you. And if you're going, how do I get that? We have people in the back that would love to pray for you. The last point, and it's a story, is I need you to be the gospel. Yes, don't hear me. I want you to preach the gospel, okay? People need to know the good news. But good news falls on deaf ears if you're not being the good news. If your life isn't one that's so attractive that someone's going, what is in you? Then any story you talk about Jesus gets drowned out by our deeds encourage us. Can we live the gospel? Here's the last story. Here's what I think it looks like to to be the gospel. In the book, The Hiding Place by the Tim Boom family. If you haven't read this, if you're under the age of like 40, maybe you haven't read this. You need to read it. It's phenomenal. It's about this family that was in um, Holland in World War II. And during the occupation of the, of the Nazis during this time, um, their house became that safe haven where Jews would come and they would figure out places for them to go and be um, kind of kept out of harm's way. It was kind of this underground railroad. And the Ten Boom family loved Jesus. Casper Ten Boom would do morning and evening prayers with everybody. Every Jew that would walk in, he'd go, oh, hello, God's favorite people. His heart was broken for what was happening. There was this baby that came in one time Casper Ten Boom was 80 years old in 1943 when this happened. And the baby was crying. It was two weeks old. And they were trying to figure out where they're going to put it. Like what, what house can accept this, this, this mom and baby? Like surely the Germans are going to hear about this. And uh, this guy walks in and, and they say, uh, hey, will you take him? You live off the beaten path. Will you take him? He goes, no, that's too risky. I'm not going to take that kid. It's put my whole family at risk. Casper immediately grabbed the baby and said, if my family were to risk its life and give its life up for this two-week-old, I would consider it the greatest privilege of my life. And he would. He would die in a concentration camp 
his daughters would go to the concentration camp, one would live to tell the story, Corey. When Casper was eventually captured, the Germans tried to say, hey, you don't worry about this. Like, go back home. You're old. We don't want to deal with you. Just go back home, okay? Stop doing, stop, like, being a place to, like, save people, save the Jews. Like, stop it. And his response was, if you, if you tell me to go home, I will answer every needy knock that comes to my door. His daughters are daughters I hope my daughters become. While they're in the concentration camp, they're doing these Bible studies with people. They're praying. They're loving Jesus so well. And then the craziest thing is they're loving their guards so well. If you want to talk about loving your enemies, Nazi concentration camp, enemy, right? Like they're literally beating them to death. And Corey says, we got to create a place for them, a place, a place for people who've been in concentration camps so to feel the love of Jesus. And, and Betsy goes, I know. We need to create a place for them. What Corey was talking about was the prisoners. What Betsy was talking about was the guards. Oh, do we love our enemies like that? If we be the gospel, then the verbal gospel will land on fertile soil. Remember the gospel. Remember who you are. Preach the gospel to yourself daily. You need it daily. And go and be the gospel. Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for who you are that you're a God who loves me and us like crazy. Thank you for sending your one and only son. It cost you so much to love us and it's so unworthy. And yet you would do it all again. You know my inmost being, my inner thoughts. You know my corruption and yet you still chose to die for me, to die for us. Rarely will a righteous man die for someone that's good, but never will someone die for someone that's bad. And yet that's what you do for us. Help us to not forget. Help us to remember who we are and who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.